0: I want to draw your attention uh, just as a way of announcement. Uh, I began a new series in your bulletins on discernment. Uh, don't read it now during the sermon, but make sure you take that bulletin home and read that uh, series. It'll be for several weeks. Uh, uh, the church in America, this church as well, uh, is struggling to be discerning. Uh, between truth and false teaching. Uh, and remember, discernment is not so much distinguishing truth from error, but distinguishing truth from almost truth. Uh, because it's very deceptive. So make sure uh, that you do that. You want to start the slides? Well, we're going to begin a journey today. We're going to go to Greece, uh, not the musical, the country. Uh, and if you're like me, that's about as much as I know about Greece, a good. And it's not gyro. If you say gyro, I need to correct you. It's gyro. Okay. A gyro is a body movement. A gyro. (laughs) Gyrations. Uh, Now, if you eat a gyro, you may, you know, gyrate. Who knows? But if you're like me, that's all you know about Greece. Uh, A good gyro. And by the way, if you know where I can get one, let me know. So. Finding Greek food is, anyway, that's another sermon. Okay. Well, we're going to journey, and if you're from Greece, you say Thessaloniki. Uh, We say Thessalonians, or our Bibles may say Thessalonica. Uh, Technically, uh, the city is called Thessaloniki uh, in the scriptures and in the country itself. Uh, But we're going to begin a journey. uh, through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And today, it's just a very broad, general flyover uh, or drive by. I hesitate to use that expression uh, when you live in Los Angeles, but uh, sort of a, just a general, generic approach to this letter. There's a lot in these letters uh, that is going to be very helpful to us. Uh, I want us to kind of get a feel. Uh, For what's going on. If you got the sermon outline, you'll see that it's just what is it? Eight questions. Uh, That's just for you. Uh, I want you to read through First Thessalonians sometime. It's five chapters. Uh, It's one quarter of football. Uh, You know, it's how long is it going to take you? But sit down and read it all in one setting and, and ponder and meditate those questions. Take those questions to your CPR uh, meeting, too, and you can go over those. But uh, in a few moments, I'm going to read the entire letter. Uh, and if you like, as I read, you may want to scribble in some notes on those questions uh, as we learn uh, what is happening there. Uh, really, the church in Thessaloniki uh, was founded by Paul on a second missionary journey. He took Timothy and Silas with him. Uh, They weren't there very long. It was around 50 or 51 A.D. Uh, And when do we think Jesus Christ died? 33, 34, 35 A.D. Uh, So they go to Thessaloniki. Uh, They're only there a short time. And uh, of course, there are a lot of Jewish people living there. Uh, The city at Paul's time had probably about 250,000 people Uh, for that day. That would have been huge. Uh, today, Thessaloniki is the second largest city in Greece. Uh, it is in the country of Greece. At this time, it was a Roman province. Uh, the capital of the area we call Macedonia. Uh, 250,000 people, give or take. So they're not there very long. The three of them in trouble breaks out, uh, because the Jews who are not believers in Jesus are very upset. Uh, and they throw them in jail, and I think they beat them. All this is in the book of Acts. Uh, Then there's a plot to take Paul's life, so they have to flee. So they're not there that long. Uh, And they go down to Berea, and then they go down even further south to Athens. Uh, Well, Paul's really concerned. Paul loved these people in Thessaloniki. Uh, And this is probably the first letter that he ever wrote. Uh, It may be second after Galatians, but a lot of people think this is the first letter. Uh, That Paul wrote, you see, we don't put the books in our New Testament in the order that they were written, do we? Uh, So you go to First Thessalonians, but it was actually probably the first of all the letters. Uh, This is a very young church. Uh, Paul's not there very long and he has to leave because his life is being threatened. Uh, But he's concerned about getting them up and on their feet. Uh, And remember, at this time, churches would meet in someone's house. And usually it was more than one. So it's probably many houses across the city that had small groups of believers. Uh, So what does Paul do? The book of Acts tells us that he sends Timothy back uh, to them uh, to make sure that they get up and going. Then Timothy returns to Paul and brings a really good report. Uh, But this church is founded during what we in church history might call the heroic age of the church. Uh, Because there is unprecedented persecution of the church, literally hundreds upon hundreds of believers in Jesus being martyred Uh, leaders as well as lay people. Uh, And that's going to be one of the themes of first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians, Uh, how we as Christians are called to suffer. Uh, And we have not experienced that. Uh, There's no guarantee that we won't. But by God's grace, we praise him that we haven't. Uh, But I often wonder, uh, how would I respond under threat? Uh, What would I do? Another good question you might want to jot down in your sheet is, how does a believer in Jesus prepare to suffer? How does a believer in Jesus prepare for persecution? How do we get ready to suffer? Uh, And he'll address that. Jesus said, they persecuted me. This is a promise. This isn't one of the promises we put on the church sign or we don't put this on a T-shirt. You know, uh, they persecuted me. I promise you they're going to persecute you. Woo! You know, we don't. That's not that's not really how we think. We shouldn't think that way. It's not something that we cherish or long for, but it does happen. So what's happening? First, you have Herod. Herod. Uh, On the throne, Uh, and then you have Emperor Claudius. Uh, Stephen becomes the first martyr. Remember, Uh, they took him out and they stoned him to death. And as he was being killed, he prayed for those that were killing him. That's that's just foreign to us, isn't it? Someone cuts me off on the freeway and I'm condemning them to eternity in hell. Uh, And here he is having rocks thrown at him until he dies. Uh, which, by the way, is an extremely slow uh, death. Uh, and he's praying for them. But we know James, too, is killed by the sword. Uh, and then Nero takes the throne. Uh, and remember, the church at Thessaloniki is founded in about the year 50. And Paul writes First and Second Thessalonians in the same year. So we know about Nero a little bit, don't we? A complete psycho. Uh, a complete egomaniac. Uh, He burned down his own city of Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. And so they're dragged by the hundreds into the Colosseums and the theaters. Uh, And in front of thousands of people, they're tortured and put to death. Uh, Many different accounts. Uh, They would do things like, well, Nero would uh, Nero dipped Christians in oil and then crucified them and put the crosses in his own garden and then had garden parties and lit them with the bodies of the saints. Uh, and the, he and his folks would sit there in the light of the burning Christians uh, enjoying their evening. Uh, they would do things like uh, they would sew animal skins right into the skins of the believers uh, and then put them into theaters and release wild dogs. Uh, and the dogs thought that these were animals, so they would attack and rip and kill uh, the believers. You know, and we scratch our heads, right? That's one of your questions on your Outline, why does God allow his people to suffer? Uh, And we'll get into that a little bit. It's a it's a hard question, isn't it? Uh, But we live in a fallen world. Uh, We live in a world where Satan has been given quite a bit of influence by God's uh, divine design uh, for now. Uh, We also know that persecution strengthens uh, the church. Uh, The saying is the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, persecution weeds out the fakers, Uh, persecution weeds out the nominal believers, Uh, persecution like when you refine gold uh, through intense heat, it removes all the impurities and only what is most pure is left. And you get gold Uh, and really uh, some of the most vibrant testimonies ever within the church come during times of persecution. Uh, So it's all under God's sovereign control. Um, So we already see this. uh, Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, The church is founded. Paul writes those two letters. And then around 67 AD, Paul is beheaded in Rome. Uh, And in the same year, Peter, after watching his own wife be crucified, uh, he requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy uh, to be crucified uh, like Jesus. Uh, So this is a heroic age, unprecedented persecution that this church in Thessaloniki comes into uh, existence. Uh, And so as we go through uh, first and second Thessalonians, we want to keep that in the back of our minds that what is going on in the lives of these people when Paul's writing uh, these letters Uh, And during this time, some of the great church fathers also uh, are martyred. You know, leaders are raised up by God and they lead for a certain amount of time and then uh, they're put to death. Uh, You know, Satan will always try to scatter the flock by striking down the shepherd. Uh, But God, by his grace, will raise up more shepherds, uh, you know, to take their place. So you have Ignatius, the bishop of Antioch. I would encourage you to Google these saints and read about their lives. Uh, It's all on historic record. Uh, Ignatius, the bishop of Antioch uh, in Turkey, was martyred. Justin, the apologist, was martyred. Interesting story. A man named Polycarp, uh, he was actually discipled by John the Apostle. Uh, And we have a full record of that. And he was burned uh, at the stake uh, at the age uh, of 86. Uh, It's very interesting. Let me read to you the account of what happened to him. This Polycarp was the last one of those who had personally taught, was personally taught by the apostles. He was arrested and brought into the amphitheater in Smyrna, which is in far western Turkey, uh, which was filled with an immense multitude. Uh, Since there were no images of gods in the houses of worship of the Christians, the heathens rightly concluded that the Christians did not believe in the existence of many gods. And they accused them of being atheists, atheists. So the pro-council reminded Polycarp of his great age and urged him to show his penitence by joining in the cry. He wanted him to cry out with the whole crowd, away with the atheists, talking about the Christians. This is an 86-year-old man. Uh, Polycarp looked straight at the excited crowd, pointed his finger at them and cried, away with the atheists. (laughs) Wow. 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 Then the proconsul said, revile Christ and I will release you. Uh, but Polycarp answered, eighty and six years have I served him and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme him? Who is my king? Who has saved me? I'm a Christian. To the crowd, the proconsul then proclaimed, Polycarp has confessed himself to be a Christian. And the crowd yelled, let him be burned. Uh, wood was collected, made into a pile. And he was uh, he asked them, please do not fasten me to the stake. Leave me just as I am, because he who strengthens me to endure the flames will also enable me to stand firm at the stake without being fastened with the nails. So the wood was piled. Uh, They didn't tie him to the stake. They granted his request. So he just stood there on his own uh, and they lighted the wood pile. uh, And he prayed with a loud voice so that many could hear him. Lord God, almighty father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I praise thee that you have judged me worthy of this day and of this hour to participate in the number of thy witnesses and in the cup of thy Christ. And the flames consumed him. Uh, That happened around 155. So, historic uh, age, historic time of suffering, and yet spurring and creating tremendous amount of growth in the church. How would you respond? Uh, We don't have to answer that out loud. But is your faith in Jesus Christ? deep enough and real enough and true enough to face the flames if it had to, uh, to, to face confiscation of property, to face arrest. How do we prepare for that uh, if it ever comes to us? Uh, this is just a picture. It's kind of hard to see another Christian, a, a young lady. Her name was Blandina. Uh, they gathered her and her, her whole entire family into an arena And she had to watch each and every one uh, be put to death uh, by wild animals. And they say that she encouraged each and every one of her family members to stand fast and to stand firm uh, as they were dying. And they saved her for the last. And they covered her in animal skin. uh, And I guess the bulls tossed her up into the air several times by their horns, uh, stomped her to death. Uh, But uh, could our faith... Stand that kind of test. And this is the environment in which the church in Thessaloniki came into existence. And as we read through the letters, we'll see that Paul's commending them for uh, standing firm and standing fast. He says in 2 Thessalonians 1 uh, verse 4, he says, We speak proudly of you among all the churches because of your perseverance in faith in the midst of all your persecutions. And afflictions which you endure. Uh, and he does the same in First Thessalonians chapter one. He says, we're so thankful you received the word uh, in the midst of many tribulations uh, and many trials. Uh, and I love to read Christian biography because uh, it spurs me on. It uh, convicts me of my little faith. Uh, And it encourages me to be more bold in my walk for Christ to see that others have suffered uh, even to the point of death. I would encourage you uh, to research uh, some of these great saints uh, for yourselves. So prominent Roman seaport, capital of Macedonia, Greece. It was an important city on the road from Rome to the east. Uh, It stood in the shadow of Mount Olympus, uh, about 250,000 people there. Uh, many of them Jews. I don't know if you can see that or not, but there's the Aegean Sea. You see the red dot. Uh, that's Thessaloniki. If you follow the coast down all the way to the south, you'll get to Athens. Uh, but that kind of gives us an idea where uh, these people lived and what was going on. There's the, the coast. That's the modern day city uh, of Thessaloniki. Paul had been there. Uh, many believers come and you know Christ there because of his ministry. We already mentioned it was the first or second letter that he wrote. A couple other interesting facts we need to keep in mind as we go through first and second Thessalonians is that the return of Christ is mentioned in all five chapters of first Thessalonians. It's a major theme. Why is that? We're learning on Wednesday nights. We're studying first and second Peter. One of the ways to endure suffering and persecution is to fix our minds on the fact that. Life is more than just life on this earth, that the Lord is going to return someday uh, and he will make all things right and he will avenge those that have suffered for him. Uh, And so we can be earthly useful while being heavenly minded. Uh, And it's not an escape. It's not like being an ostrich and sticking our head in the ground and just ignoring. But it's the truth of the reality that Jesus Christ can reappear at any moment. Uh, The scriptures tell us. Uh, That if we check all of our prophecy, the next event on the prophecy calendar is the return of Jesus Christ to initiate the tribulation uh, and to take his church home to heaven. Uh, And we will be studying that in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. Uh, But it's a major theme. And of course, the most famous rapture of the church passage is found in First Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, And we will study that when the trumpet sounds and the. Uh, Lord descends and we'll go to meet him in the air. Here are some mega themes that we want to keep in mind as we go through first and second Thessalonians. Number one, there is encouragement to persevere. The Christian life, you know what I'm going to say, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Some of you are like, marathon it's long it's a marathon some of us aren't really in marathon condition so uh, we can't all be like Kyle so uh, I told him this morning if he needs to quit losing weight I don't want to be the fattest person in the church Uh, he's lost a lot of weight is he running is he running marathons no I love the marathon candy bar remember it was braided and had (laughs) caramel remember that's the marathon I like Remember, it's braided. It had caramel. It was really long. That's good. That's my marathon. The Christian walk is something that occurs over our entire lifetime, right? Ups and downs, hills and valleys. Uh, We have joys. We have blessings. We have trials. There may even be suffering. Uh, But there's a lot of encouragement, we'll see, to persevere. Persevere. Uh, We go through dry times, folks. I don't have to tell you that, right? I think sometimes we get embarrassed to share with one another that we're in a dry valley. And we shouldn't, it should be the opposite. We should run to one another when we're in those dry valleys. Uh, we, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be isolated. That's part of the Christian walk. We're gonna go through dry times. We're gonna go through hard times. We're even gonna go through times, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe you don't want to hear your pastor say this, but I have moments every once in a blue moon where I have a little anxiety or a little panic attack where I'm thinking about my faith and, and my walk with the Lord, you know, uh, you know, and I have to remind myself of what the scriptures say. If I place my faith in Christ, I'm good, regardless of what I'm struggling with. But we all have those moments. We all need encouragement from one another. Uh, the hope in the return of Christ, we've mentioned that. He's going to stress love for each other. This isn't just a church. This is a family. Uh, This is a community. This is a place where we gather together and we live life together, not just here on Sunday mornings, but we should be spending time together outside of this property. Because we need each other. We need to spur each other on to love and good deeds. We need to carry one another's burdens. We need to be able to be completely open and honest with one another. We need to be able to go to brothers and sisters in Christ when we think there's something that they need to hear that might not be easy. We need to be willing to receive that from one another. Because this is the place. This is the community. This is the family that we have, especially... When things are going to really start heating up out there in the world Uh, and the persecution may begin and we have one another, we shouldn't turn on one another, we should turn with one another. Uh, And he'll be talking a lot about that. And of course, our theme for the year uh, is rooted in first and second Thessalonians, being thankful and and rooting that thankfulness in God and in Christ. In the two letters, he mentions being thankful six times. Uh, So it's an important theme. What else we got here? He says, we constantly thank God that when you received the word of God from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but for what it really is, the word of God, which performs its work in you who believe. I like that. You can also jot down Hebrews four, two or four, twelve. Someone help me. The word of God is living and active Four four, twelve. Yeah, uh, Hebrews four, twelve word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to penetrate both soul and spirit joints and marrow. Uh, the word of God, that's why it's important to be in the scriptures, because it's a living word. It, it, it does something. It's active. It's uh, performing in our lives. It's doing something. It's not just stale words, because the spirit takes it uh, and performs it in our lives. Paul was very thankful Uh, That these believers here in this very difficult circumstances understood that the scriptures they had weren't man's words, but God's words. So here's what we're going to do. Just have a few minutes left. I want you to take your Bibles or your handhelds, uh, whatever you have. I want to read this letter and then we're done. But I want you to keep that outline handy because feel free to jot down any thoughts that might come to your mind As I read this letter from Paul, we're just going to read First Thessalonians. And if any thoughts come to your mind where you could answer these questions, jot them down. Take those questions with you. I want you to at least one time between now and next week. You didn't know you were getting homework, right? When are you doing this? This worship service. You don't assign homework. Oh, yes, I do. At least one time between now and next week. Sit down and read all five chapters in one setting. You can do it. I know you can do it. And ponder those questions. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you. We make mention of you in our prayers. Constantly we bear in our minds your work of faith. And your labor of love and your perseverance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. There's the doctrine of election. Amazing. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Circle underline, uh, underline, highlight full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. And I'm going to interject some things. Is your Christian life worthy of being imitated by others? That's a good question. Is your Christian life worthy of being imitated by others? That is should be a goal of our lives. Having received the word in much tribulation. With the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything about you for they themselves report about us, what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from your idols. To serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. It's a reference to the tribulation, the great tribulation. That right there, folks, says if you're a believer in Jesus, you will not be here during the great tribulation. I know some of our dear brothers and sisters in Christ think differently. But first Thessalonians will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the church will not be here during the great tribulation. Chapter two, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. There'll always be opposition to the word, folks. Always. If you're looking for an opportunity to witness and share the gospel with no opposition, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Verse three, for our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but we speak in order to please God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor did we come with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but we also imparted to you our own lives because you had become so very Dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and our hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you. Into his kingdom and glory. You know, are, are we walking in a manner that's worthy of our calling when we came to Christ? Uh, are we still walking in that way? For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches. Of God and Christ Jesus that are in Judea for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face for we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. That's interesting. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming for you are our glory and joy? Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. See, see, they were struggling. They were struggling. They were probably thinking we're followers of Christ. Doesn't God love us? Why are we being persecuted like this? And Paul says Uh, Persecution is often what Christians are destined for, for indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day kept praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. See, that's awesome. Just by living for the Lord, they were an encouragement to one another. You know, so we should be talking with one another and sharing with one another about our our journey and our following Christ. And and because we gain strength and we gain encouragement by uh, talking to one another and sharing Uh, About the difficulties and about how we're continuing in the faith. Verse 11. uh, Now. uh, Did I skip anything? Verse 11. Is that right? Okay. Now, may our God and father himself and Jesus, our Lord, direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts Without blame in holiness before our God and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Finally, then, brethren, we request and we exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to live and please God, just as you actually do live, that you excel still more. For, you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from all sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the unbelieving Gentiles do who do not know God and that no man transgress or defraud his brother In this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification, he called us. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but is rejecting the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, as to the love of the brethren, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge your brethren to excel. This is the second time he said this. Excel still more. And to make it your ambition. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. So that you will behave properly toward outsiders and unbelievers and not be in any need of anything. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have died or fallen asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest of the world who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have already fallen asleep in Jesus. For this, we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not go before those who have already fallen asleep. For at the rapture of the church, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive at that time will remain and remain, will be caught up into the air together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. What does verse 18 say, read it with me. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, as to the times and the epochs of the end, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you for you yourselves know full well. That the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, that's when destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be what? What? Alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for what? Wrath, but for obtaining salvation from the tribulation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And once again, he says, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing now. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. And by the way, you do. I feel deeply appreciated. And I know the other elders feel deeply appreciated. You're doing a good job and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another in the church among Christians. We urge your brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that, which is good for one another and for all people. And now let's read our memory verse together. Rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic, sound, biblical teaching. But examine all teaching carefully and hold fast to that which is good and then abstain from every form of evil teaching. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get the idea that he's constantly telling us to get ready? He's constantly saying, are you ready for the Lord to return? If the Lord Jesus appeared right now at this moment and walked through those doors, would you be okay to meet him? Is your life up to speed? That's what he's saying. We should live our lives in such a way that we would be prepared at any moment for the Lord to come and get us. That's what he's saying. Verse 24, faithful is he who calls you. And he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren. We're gonna we're not going to do this here. Uh, with the holy kiss. I greet Lisa with a holy kiss. That's it. That's about as far as I go. Evelyn may get a kiss on the cheek. That's it. So I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. That's what we're doing, isn't it? We're reading this letter to all the brethren. Read the last verse with me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's stand together. Let's have a closing word of prayer. Take those outlines home with you. Ponder those questions. Go ahead and stand up. Make sure between now and next week you read those five chapters again and let those words sink in. I'm excited about these two letters. I think there's going to be a lot that the Lord's going to teach us. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, you've really spoken to us today uh, because, of course, your word. Just like Paul told the Thessalonians, when they received the salvation and the word for the first time, they received it like it came from you, which it did. They didn't look at Scripture and consider it just to be a man made message, they understood. That in some supernatural way, your Holy Spirit moved through the apostles pen and they recorded the words you wanted them to have. Fathers, we open our Bibles. That is your word. Those are words that you want us to hear and that you want us to heed and obey. So, Father, I pray that as we ponder this letter this week, we go over those eight questions. That we would allow your Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And I can't get past the expression I saw twice in this letter when he said, still more, still more. Even in our Christian walk, we should still strive for more. We should still seek to serve you more, to love you more, to love one another more, to to be a better example. So, Father, I want to thank you today. For our brothers and sisters in Christ who lived 2,000 years ago. And many of them suffered violent, painful, terrifying deaths. Which they could have avoided if they simply just would have denied you. But they didn't do that. They chose within their deep conviction of the truth to stand firm. And may we just... Look at their lives and be encouraged and be spurred on uh, to be a better testimony to the world, uh, to be a bolder testimony, to have a deeper conviction about spiritual things and holiness. And in light of the truth that we know you will return. So, Father, thank you for today. It's very refreshing. It's very encouraging to be together. Uh, we just pray that you've been pleased uh, with all that's happened here. And that you're pleased with our hearts uh, as we bow before you and we give you all the glory and the praise and the honor that you and you alone deserve. And we do that in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. Hope you were blessed and Lord willing. We will see you next week.